0: Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the podcast where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this podcast is to be a source of inspirational truth that will awaken a deeper hunger within you for the fire of God to burn brighter and hotter in your life. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and maintain his flame that he has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that will help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame today. My name is Keith Collins. I'm your host. And I'm blessed to know that you are listening wherever you're at around the world, wherever that might be. And, you know, we know that there are people from many different nations that hear this every single week, people throughout the United States that are listening. And again, our heart is to bless you, to encourage you, but also to challenge you in the reality that there is always more to experience when it comes to serving the Lord. We know that God's word never changes. It is complete, it is 100% accurate, it is perfect in every single way. However, we also know that knowing the Lord is an ongoing experience, that our salvation experience is should be ever-growing, should be um, new levels of intimacy with the Lord on the daily and a weekly and a monthly basis, a yearly basis, that we should be growing in grace even in the midst of the battles and the storms that we go through. So one of the reasons that we come to you each and every week by way of this program is to really try to help people to understand that serving the Lord is not just going to a church, it's not just being a part of a Bible study or a small group, it's not just learning some Bible verses and learning how to quote them by heart, even though all those things are fine and they can be very productive and and they help people. But serving the Lord is an ongoing deepening experience. You know, we named this program Maintain the Flame for a reason, and that reason is because our heart is to spur you on to deeper places in the Lord. And we pray, even as the priests were instructed in the book of Leviticus, to make sure that the fire never goes out on the altar, our heart is is that the fire of God will never dim or wane or go out in your life. So be encouraged by what you're about to hear. Um, Over the last several weeks, really the last four weeks, I've been talking about what it really means to understand the role of the church. What is our role, especially in the society that we find ourselves in, in the generation that we find ourselves in? I believe it's so important to know who we are as God's people, to realize that there's a calling upon us to be salt and to be light. Jesus said that you're a city set up on a hillside and that we are, we're to be seen, not because we want to be seen, but we are to be seen because we reflect, we represent the purposes of Jesus Christ in our generation. So the last several weeks I've been talking about this. I've been Discussing about what it means to really be faithful in an hour that has become so dark and so ominous As many of you know, or most or maybe all of you know, I'm in the United States of America Actually recording this from my home studio, my home office in Charlotte, North Carolina And as I look at the condition of my my nation The condition of the generations that are alive on the earth in the United States of America As well as around the world I have to tell you that my heart is grieved at times. I am deeply burdened at times. A matter of fact, many times or oftentimes I feel these things. I, I feel a sense of sobriety. Every week it seems like I hear about another young person that, that overdoses on drugs or maybe one that commits suicide. I hear of another marriage that the enemy has, has dissolved or has destroyed, families being torn apart, ministers falling to sin. Um, churches closing down a lot of things that that we can talk about that are sad of course and again they bring a sense of sobriety and at the same time i'm also encouraged by some of the things that i'm seeing i was just recently over the weekend at a church in the harrisburg pennsylvania area and up there with really a spiritual son of mine and his beautiful family and they have an amazing church. But I I spoke on Saturday for about three hours on what it means to have a walk with God, intimacy with the Lord, and what it means to have a prayer life. And and I was encouraged by the response and by the hunger of the people that were there. Then we were with them Sunday as well, and just encouraged by what I saw in in the midst of that people. Um, At the same time, I also know that there are a lot of people that have lost the fire. They have lost the passion. They've lost their desire to really be who God has called them to be. And I feel like one of the responsibilities upon my life, upon this ministry, is to awaken a hunger within people as well as to encourage them and help them in the way of stewarding their walk with God. So before we can do that, I believe it's important for us to realize the condition of so much of the church, so much of even our nation. And Last week, I began to talk to you about the the prophet Samuel. Um, Samuel was kind of like he was the very end of the era of the judges and kind of the beginning of these these unique Old Testament prophets that, that walked in a very powerful way as God used them as a mouthpiece. Oftentimes, more times than not, in the midst of grave wickedness, idolatry, perversion, rebellion against God the Creator. They would be used of God to, to bring warning, to bring judgment, to awaken the people of Israel, to awaken the kings of Israel, to awaken You know the nation as a whole the nation of Israel and of course after the monarchy split we had Israel in the northern and Judah in the southern or or The Davidic kingdom in the south and these these prophets were used as mouthpieces of God Now I've I've said for years that I believe they were a reflection of God's mercy They were a lifeline that the Lord would actually Reveal his nature and his character through these men called prophets as they would come, oftentimes thundering the word of repentance, the word of righteousness, the word of correction. And even though many of them were hated, many of them were disdained, some were even tortured because of the stand that they took and the words that they spoke, again, they reflect God's mercy. God is a merciful God. Number one. Number two, God is faithful to his glory in every generation. I shared this this past Sunday in a church in Pennsylvania. God's faithful to his glory. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that in every generation since Jesus ascended back to heaven, we have seen or we have witnessed or we have heard of and written about and talked about and taught about these men and women that despite the condition of the sleepy church, the compromised church, the oftentimes sinful or corrupt church there's always someone or some group somewhere that is calling out to god that is praying that is bold in their faith and sometimes their numbers are minimal at best however with god we know they are the majorities if you study the history even of great revivals of the past what you'll recognize is that god usually gets a hold of an individual or maybe a small group of people i'm thinking of of the Welsh Revival, of course, and I've talked about that on this program before, but how God got a hold of a young coal miner um, by the name of Evan Roberts and at the age of 26 great revival broke out in the land of Wales, the, the current United Kingdom, of course, and, and, and God moved in power in 1904, and over 100,000 people were gloriously ushered into the kingdom of God by way of powerful salvation over a matter of months, and and the influence of that revival impacted so many regions of the world, and, and still, in my opinion, is having an impact. But what a lot of people don't realize is the prayer life of Evan Roberts. At the age of 12 years old, he came under God's burden in God's heart. A 12 year old boy and then, for years, he cried out for revival. He would say things like, "I could stay up all night talking about revival, reading about revival. There was something on the inside of him that was alive and and pulsating and he He realized that he must engage god that that he must be willing to pay a price and and stand in the gap and and become one that God could use in order to reveal his glory in his generation and it seems like in every generation we we see these types of individuals. They are people that that live for eternity and not for the things of this earth. They are owned by a higher call. They 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 hear the voice of God. They see the glory of God. They, they hunger and thirst for more. They are oftentimes men and women of tears. They are a people of brokenness. They, they experience the very thing that God experienced. Like when we look at Jeremiah, he said things like, my agony, my agony, I writhe in pain as he looked at Judah and exhibited the heart of god he's not crying out from his own human sympathy of course his emotions would have would have been in play on a certain level but but he's feeling what god is feeling therefore he's saying listen i'm in agony i'm i'm writhing in pain because of the sinful idolatrous condition of judah my my own people my heart aches we hear the apostle paul when he looked at his own brethren the jewish people and paul of course being a jew paul said listen uh I would rather be damned to hell so that my people could be saved. I'm paraphrasing him, but that's really what he said. I mean, he's he's literally so burdened and so distraught for the condition of his people that that he would rather be damned and go to hell so that his people might actually be saved and accept Jesus Christ as the Jewish Messiah. That's that's his heart. So throughout history we have we've watched these individuals and and they're unique, however, They are, um, their voices, they are, they're, um, ambassadors. They are reflections of the very nature of God. When we look at Samuel again, I read this last week, but, but Samuel, first Samuel chapter three, it talks about how Samuel was a boy and he was ministering in the presence of Eli, the priest. And the Bible says in verse one of chapter three, that the word of the Lord was rare in those days and there was no frequent or common or open vision. At that time Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down at the temple of the Lord where the Ark of God was. So as I said last week, Samuel was literally lying sleeping by the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant. Eli was off in his own room sleeping, and God introduces Eli here, and God introduces this picture of Samuel in a very important way. He says that Samuel literally has grown dull of vision in the natural, but it's also a picture of his spiritual condition. There was no vision. There was no fresh word of God. They were going through the motions of religion, so that the spiritual father of this young boy Samuel, whom his mother Hannah had given to the Lord as A gift to God or as an offering to the Lord to be used of God at the temple. Um, This boy was being tutored. He was being mentored. He was being fathered by a man who was cold and indifferent in his faith, in his walk with God, in his priestly duty. So this was the lesson. This was the way that Samuel was living. He knew the religious function. He knew the, the the sound of the temple, the smell of the offerings, he knew all these type of things. But he didn't know God. He did not know the voice of God. As he's sleeping that night, again, three different times um, the Lord comes and says, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel thinks it's Eli. He runs in. Finally, after the third time, Eli recognized that the Lord was speaking to him. And what was God doing? God was awakening a generation. He was restoring his voice Back to the people of Israel again, God is faithful to his own glory in every generation. We can read the book of Judges right um, before we get into the story of Samuel. we can read how that God would would use these judges um, He would use like Deborah and even Samson, even though Samson had sin in his life, he still um, represented. A man that had been touched by God and, and the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him and we read different, um, Gideon, different ones and they would, they'd be in power or, or they would have an influence sometimes 20 years. 10 years, whatever, but but the, these judges were even reflective, I believe, of God's desire to reveal his glory to his own people. So God has been faithful in every generation. The reason that even my nation, the United States of America, has had two great awakenings, one in the 1700s in the American colonies, um, where God used an individual like Jonathan Edwards as well as others. But but Edwards was consumed with the burden of God. He was burning with the eternal purposes of God. And as a result, God used him in the New England area that we know now as, as New England in a powerful way. In the 1800s, a man by the name of Charles Finney, along with others, of course, but but Finney was a, a powerful tool in the hand of God. And Finney came and he literally brought the breath of eternity with him. He would preach with passion and with power. People would experience conviction and and godly sorrow and, and deep, deep, deep repentance. And history shows us that Finney would go into a region, maybe a city, a town, and would preach the gospel sometimes weeks at a time and as he was there literally a large percentage of the entire region would be radically changed and saved and and there's history that documents even his the conversions that took place under his ministry how that many of them many years later were still were still serving God in a very diligent passionate manner so my point is this God's always faithful to His own glory in every generation, but somebody in this generation has now got to stand up and say, "God, make me a Samuel, make me a Finney, make me a Jonathan Edwards, Lord, make make me a a firebrand, one that as you as I've talked about the last four weeks, one that will be willing to bring a disturbance." In the generation that I live in, Lord, I don't want to just be found as one that attended church or one that kind of went through the motions, but God, I want my life to be used the the way that Samuel's life was used. Listen, the entrance of Samuel into the scene of, of Israel was a statement that God was changing the prophetic climate of the hour. Listen, God's voice and eternal purposes were being restored to the people of God, the nation of Israel. And despite the level of darkness or the deadness of man-motivated, manufactured Eli religion, the Lord was faithful. He was faithful to his own nature. He was faithful to his glory. He was faithful to his covenants, even the covenant he made with Abraham. Listen, Samuel's a picture of God's covenantal faithfulness to his own Therefore, we, we see Samuel again as as the end of the era of the judges in Israel, as well as a prophet who, like the prophet Moses, brought or restored the message of repentance to the nation of Israel. In other words, listen, the favor of God, the blessing of God, the fire of God, the presence of God comes upon a people who have humbled their hearts before the Lord, who have embraced repentance and said, Lord, we are needful of you. Lord, we are willing to do away with our idols. We're willing to do away with our perversion. We're, we're willing to do away with our dead religion. And, and God, we are, we're willing to align our hearts with you again. You see, it is this type of voice that, that brings the people of God to this place of humility and repentance and brokenness. We all know the scripture in the Chronicles that if my people who are called by my name will do what? If they'll humble themselves. You see, the word of the prophet brought about humility oftentimes. It brought about, brought about excuse me, repentance, even though, of course, it, it would have been resisted. Um, and of course, in the story of of Samuel, there was definitely resistance even from Israel's first king, Saul, as he went pretty much into rebellion and pretty much into self-promotion. But God's faithful, so what did God do? God raised up a David. And listen, I believe a Samuel anointing will always find a Davidic movement or a David heart. What do I mean by that? Samuel restored the picture of true worship of the the one God, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He he was a worshipper. He was a man after God's own heart, with all of his shortcomings, with all of his failures. He still came back to a place of repentance, even after his sin with Bathsheba and having her husband literally murdered by sending him to the front line. Um, he he found a place of repentance, and he cries out in Psalm fifty one for God to to know him, even in the inward parts of his being. And what does he say? Lord, restore unto me my salvation. God, I want to be a man of worship. You see, it's it's important for us to understand that the role of the church must be one that is, that is fueled by way of intimacy-based worship worship, that the only way that we are effective in a generation is if we know the God in a passionate way, if we know the God that we serve in a deep, revelatory, intimate way, and it is out of that relationship that we do what Samuel did, we bring to bear the kingdom of God In our generation, Samuel's presence, listen, really represented a direct assault against the kingdom of darkness that was cloaked or shrouded in dead man-centered religion, which always, always resists the moving of God's spirit and the advancement of his apostolic kingdom into regions. He was, Samuel was a direct threat to the humanistic man-focused religious establishment as well as the satanic hierarchy that was out to destroy the people of God. And I believe with all of my heart that that we need to become a people again that are a threat to dead religion, that we are a threat to demonic principalities and powers, that we recognize our role is, 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 is so needful and it's so necessary for the kingdom of God to be seen. The people of God have got to be real. Listen, our anointing, our giftings, our calling is not about ourselves. They're not about our names. Listen, Samuel's calling and purpose in ministry was not about himself. His destiny, his calling, his purpose was connected. It was tethered to God's promises that he had made to Israel, as well as God's glory being revealed in and from the nation of Israel into the surrounding nations. When I look at so much of the church in this generation, I have to be honest. And listen, first of all, I love the church with all of my heart. I'm a part of the church. But my friend, oftentimes what I see is a large institution that has learned to, to to go through the motions and that has learned to build themselves up while resisting the power of the Holy Spirit, the only source, the only power that can change a generation, that, that can bring people back to a place of repentance and intimacy with the Lord. You see, God will use a Samuel, God will use a Samuel generation to bring about life into worship. That bring about life into soul and and that can bring life into prayer. In other words, it's, it's an ability to illuminate Jesus due to the divine union, which literally brings the very or the very power and presence of our Lord into the midst of a generation. You see, those that know God, those that walk with him, listen, this is the role of the church. This is understanding our our role is to know, not just know about the God that we serve, not just know about Jesus and what he's done and um, how he healed and all. And that's very important that we know that, but we live and we move and we have our being in him. And therefore, when we come with the kingdom of heaven into darkness into dead religion that we reveal who he is you see a samuel generation samuels awakened to the purposes of god will build god's kingdom as such a at such a way or in such a way that it will equip activate and even accelerate others into this place of worship into this place of identity in christ this place of 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 sonship to where we know who we are in the kingdom of God. Now, I I want to share it as I close here in the next few minutes. Um, I want to share some defining attributes that I believe God wants to restore back to the church in this hour. Again, I'm talking about understanding our role as the people of God. This this is really my final week talking about this in this series. This is part five, but but I want I want to close over the next few minutes by by giving you some Some important, I believe, qualifying factors or some important identities to the church. Number one, I think we need a fresh revelation of Jesus in his glory and authority, accompanied with a deep passion and love for him. Friend, we need to see Jesus as he is in the midst of his church in this hour. He's altogether glorious. He's all powerful. He's not... Shrinking back from darkness and from demonic attack. He's the great captain of the army. When we see him, preach him, love him as he is, everything begins to change and we assume our identity and our role. Number two, we need to have a distaste for man made religion and the death it breathes. Listen, when you really know Jesus, you yearn for more and more and more and more of him. You cannot handle an Eli model of ministry. There's something inside of you that wants the real thing. You want Jesus with all your heart. Listen, friend, I don't know about you, but I have such a distaste for production, for performance, for man-motivated ministry. My heart cries, God, awaken a people that are willing to even lay before you, lay between the porch and the the altar and cry out to you until you move and refuse to move in the flesh until they see the hand of God moving in their generation. Another, Another attribute, I believe, is there has to be an unusual boldness, anointing and authority upon us to do the works of Jesus in our generation. Friend, we have been anointed with power. Power from on high The fire of God The power of the Holy Spirit We should be the most loving But bold and authoritative people On the earth We should not cower down To politics, to education To entertainment, to the perverted Systems of our generation To the perverted ideologies That are trying to destroy our children But we should stand in the face of darkness And call it darkness And proclaim the word of God And if we suffer persecution Or even death so be it, but we must refuse to compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in the generation that we live in. This is who we are, and we must stand in that boldness. Number four, we must have a great love for biblical holiness, for purity, and for righteousness that is rooted in deep intimacy with Jesus. I'm not talking about um, legalism. or anything. No, I'm talking about Being so in love with Jesus that the things of this world grow strangely dim, as the old song says, that we set our affections on things of eternal value, that we refuse to be destroyed by lust or we refuse to be destroyed by fame or, or, or money or anything else that, that there is something on the inside of us that, that is so connected to the heartbeat of Jesus that we're willing to sell everything that we have and give to the poor unlike the rich young ruler. Why? Because it's Jesus first and foremost and nothing else can capture our gaze. Nothing else can capture our passions. Nothing else can cause us to, 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 to be swayed to the left or to the right, we are solely focused on Jesus Christ and his glory. And then number five, we must have a deep awareness or whenever this this move that I'm talking about, when we recognize who we are and who Jesus is, there's a deep awareness of our total dependency upon the power of the Holy Spirit. And we refuse the man-made entrapments that that cause us to live in comfortable religion. Friend, we need a move of the Holy Spirit in this generation. We need the fire of God. I was just with a dear friend of mine at lunch. We were just talking about how there's a lot of good churches that might preach good words, but friend, we need more. We need the demonstration of the power of God. Yes, we need truth. Don't misunderstand me. I'm a doctrinal guy, but listen to me. Signs and wonders should follow the preaching of the gospel. We need the power of the Holy Spirit that brings repentance, that brings the joy of the Lord, that that brings deliverance from demons, that brings um, healing to sickness, that that causes those that are perishing to run into the house of the Lord. We need the fire of God. the glory of God. Who are we if we don't have his glory and his fire? We're just a social institution where we use the name of Jesus to make it sound valid that we're doing what we're doing. Friend, let me encourage you as I close today, run hard after Jesus. Refuse to be sucked into the spirit of this age or the spirit of this church age. Be who God has called you to be. This is our generation. This is the hour of the Lord. This is the day of the Lord. This is the season to be who God has called us to be and to refuse to compromise the truth of the word of God. I I want to encourage you, be a person of prayer, be a person of purity, be a person that desires spiritual gifts, be a person that's connected to the body of Christ and be a person that, that, that loves as Jesus loved. And I believe, I believe that we're going to see the power of God demonstrated even in the american church of the church of the west in this generation we love you thank you so much for listening and i pray that the favor and the blessing of god would rest upon you your family and all those that you have influence over. In Jesus' name, we love you, and we'll see you back on Maintain the Flame next week. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins. I want to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then please subscribe and listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about my ministry, please go to keith-collins.org or impactgf.org.